Hello, and welcome to the Conrad Life Report for Monday, September 2nd, 2019. It is Labor Day 2019. It's been over a month since the last Conrad Life Report. Um, Yeah, technically, I guess we didn't get one in in August at all. Uh, The last one was, I think, July 31st uh, is when it came out. So, and hopefully I'll get this up September 2nd. I did make a quick attempt at... um, recording an episode a couple of weeks ago and there was technical difficulties which I've had often and so I gave up because I ran out of time because it's been a busy month and so let's get to it. Uh, Here's what I did in August. Um, I think the day after, it was the day after the last episode, um, was I went to see the Rolling Stones. Um, That was with my friend Pete. Pete and I... uh, it was August 1st show at MetLife um, Stadium at the Meadowlands. Um, Pete and I drove out and listened to uh, the Dead Channel along the way. It was fun to drive to a stadium, arrive, and open up the back of the car and pull out another half beer and have a beer in a parking lot. It was a um, heavy metal parking lot, except it was the Rolling Stones. Um, and everyone there was wearing a Stone shirt. I guess it's what outsiders or I should say newbies feel like when they go to a dead show where everyone's like kind of in in costume so to speak like everyone there was in a stone shirt and it was pretty cool um and as for the stones themselves I was impressed by the fact that they were a real band um like I guess because they're so famous and so wealthy and just such a production They could go out there with a backing track and just kind of, you know, smile and be there and people would love it if there was a good light light show and everything. But they are clearly a band Um, like they were at times very sloppy, which I loved uh, because it was like, oh, these are like five guys. Well, four guys plus like, you know, a group of backing musicians. I think one keyboardist, Chuck Lavelle, uh, Daryl Jones on bass. two i think it was background singers but it's like they're a real band like you would you would see on the screen keith playing and then you would get distracted and smile and his hand would stop strumming and you could very clearly hear that guitar stop strumming um so i liked it you know it's like hey this is a real band um they're kind of sloppy but they have a good vibe which um that's I guess that's sort of been what people always thought of them, but to hear it live, I was like, yeah, this is the Rolling Stones, and I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, I guess that's probably the only time I'll ever see them, but it was a great show, and they even played um, Slipping Away from, from Steel Wheels, which is, I really like Steel Wheels. I guess my sort of dream is to hear the much maligned of Undercover of the Night, which is kind of the first song I really remember of theirs coming out when it when it came out. Um, but it's <laughs> it's not a great song, and it's definitely not a great album. So, and I'm not going to see them again. So I guess I won't hold my hopes up for hearing that song live. But the Stones were great, um, and I had a pretty quiet August until August. Um, was it 8th or 9th? But we went on our big family trip and the family trip this year was an Alaskan cruise, which I was a little bit hesitant about because of I'd never really had a great desire to go on a cruise ship. 
and um, you know, there's environmental issues as well. But we went. It was uh, the three of us, and then the our family upstairs, the four of them, and then my mother and father-in-law. And it was nine of us, and it was great. Um, I was surprised by how much I enjoyed the cruise ship itself. It was like really clean and really modern and, you know, like the rooms were small as you'd expect, but like pretty awesome, um, comfortable bed. Um, the bathroom was very like fine. <laughs> like I expected it to be sort of almost, you know, like a an R an RV bathroom or something, but no, it's like, it's a real bathroom. It's definitely small, but you get used to it like immediately. Um, so, um, water pressure was fine. I guess it has to be on a ship like that, um, to keep everything moving, but it was, you know, I didn't realize they, the staff turns your room over twice a day. So like when you're out after your initial morning rush, they they kind of make your bed and clean it up, and then in the evening while you're out to dinner or doing whatever, they make it up for nighttime. Um, it's really nice. <laughs> it's like I could get used to that kind of service, but I guess and it's just sort of standard on a ship for whatever reason. But um, I enjoyed it. The buffet that you always hear about on these things, the buffet was incredible. Like all the food was really good. I mean, and. The, you know, the advantage of a buffet is you can, not so much you can get, you know, however much you want, which I guess that is an advantage if you want to stuff your face, but to have like this, like variety of food, like my breakfasts were, you know, fresh smoked salmon along with like sometimes a touch of like, like Chinese or Indian rice and a little bit of curry and small amount of scrambled eggs. It's like, wow, if this was at all convenient to either make or order, I would eat this for breakfast every day. And I did indeed eat that for breakfast every day on the ship. Um, anyway, Anchorage was great. We flew to Anchorage. Um, Anchorage was really interesting to see. It's not as like awesome a town as I thought it would be. Uh, my friend Rick said it was a terrible town, um, sort of joke laughingly. But um, I'm just a fan of like seeing what major cities are like in unusual locations. Like Honolulu is another one. And um, and I love Honolulu, but Anchorage was weird. You could tell that it was like it kind of had like a nice small town frontier feel, and then as it grew, it grew in a very sort of unplanned, sprawly manner because it's on a bit of a plain, and obviously in Alaska, there's no shortage of space, so they just built sideways. And it seems like they didn't really plan. Our hotel was in what's known as like kind of the midtown area. And um, it's literally midtown. It's like south of the downtown core, east of the airport. It's just a lot of like big box stores and that sort of thing. But we went on a little tour of of Anchorage um, and there's some really cool spots in it. There's this like little neighborhood just to the west of downtown where I guess is kind of a desirable place to live. And not only were, were the was the little neighborhood nice, but all of the houses were um, varying architecture it just seemed like a really cool place to live. Um, you know, a lot of people in Alaska travel by seaplane, um, and to have those buzzing around all the time was really great. We stopped at the Lake Hood seaplane base, which is adjacent to um, the Anchorage International Airport, and it's cool to see that as an aviation geek that I am. <clears throat> 
So um, it was cool. And then later that day, we took a bus tour to go get our ship, which was um, docked in Whittier, Alaska, which is about, I guess, 60 miles south of southeast of Anchorage. You drive down the Turnigan Arm, really nice. Um, we stopped at the Alaska Wildlife Conservatory Conservancy, something like that, and we saw a bunch of animals who are there temporarily before they get released back into the wild. Uh, so we saw some black bears, brown bears, elk, um, porcupines. It was really cool. And then you, and then to enter Whittier, you have to go through this mountain tunnel, the Anton Anderson Memorial Tunnel, otherwise known as the Whittier Tunnel, which is a single lane tunnel that services both uh, rail traffic as well as uh, vehicle traffic. And since it's single lane, um, only one direction is allowed to pass at any time. So you sort of have a window. And if you miss your window, you have to wait, I think, up to a half an hour, probably more, actually. But so we went through this tunnel, which I had been looking forward to because I love little things like that. And then when you emerge, you are in the harbor town of Whittier, Alaska, which you should Google it because it is an interesting place. Um, 95% or something of the town's population lives in a 14-story Cold War remnant building. Um, and it just looks like a fascinating place, and I would have loved to have spent more than <laughs> a few minutes' time there um, during the chaotic embarkation process of, of boarding the ship. But, um, and it's a beautiful place. And from what I understand, it's it's a recent phenomenon that cruise ships even go there. Cruise ship industry is fascinating. I'm, I'm very interested in it now, and I'm going to find some books to read about it because there's a lot going on um, with it. And I had a friend in high school who who ended up going on cruise ships working, and he had some crazy stories, um, and he met, his, he met his wife there, his first wife, I should say, but... Um, Anyway, there's clearly a lot of nationalities on board: American, Canadian, English, um, a lot of East, like a lot of Asian, um, like Filipino. I could tell um, service workers, just a staff from all over the world. Um, even in Juneau, I noticed. Uh, well, my friend Bradley, who I do a dead night with at threes. He has friends that um, seasonally live in Juneau, and they operate a store. Um, in the center of the city, which caters to traveling um, cruise workers, selling things like these tablets and large phones that have global sims. I'd never heard of these brands, but apparently people that work and travel the world um, know them well, sell a lot of suitcases, uh, jewel, as in like the nicotine. I'm not even even, I barely know what jewel is, but um, <laughs> so it was interesting. They've opened the store that caters to the, um, the, uh, transient is that the right word i think so um cruise staff um population uh but yeah getting back to whittier we went to whittier we left there on a saturday night sunday was traveling at sea just cruising um which was interesting because i'd never done it um it is it is quite something to wake up and look out your window from your bed and it's just ocean moving by you um, the second day of Monday, we were scenic cruising, they call it, where we went up to, um, the Hubbard Glacier and the ship just kind of stops and slowly spins. I mean, very slowly, um, cause you're meant to just be checking out the views and, um, 
the glacier was impressive. Um, it was the first taste of like ice and snow and actual Alaskan glacier life that we went up to see. And, you know, it's melting, which they make no real bones about. So um, I would see Alaska soon if you want to see it, um, see these things. Tuesday was our first, no, no, Tuesday we went to Glacier Bay. No, Monday we went to Glacier Bay, sorry. Um, Glacier Bay National Park, again, more scenic cruising. Um, and then our first port of call was Skagway, Alaska. So I got up super early and I found my way down to the um, deck where you could get off the ship. And I, I, I must have been the first person off the ship because they were still setting it up. And I was going for a run. They said, going for a run, sir? And I said, yes. And I went off the ship and it, <laughs> it felt weird to be on land after 72 hours. And then I ran through the the town of Skagway, Alaska, which was absolutely deserted at um, whatever time that was, 7 a.m. So I had the town to myself, which was awesome. Um, and then we later that day did another, we did an excursion, they call it. We got on a little mini bus and we drove up the Klondike Highway um, into British Columbia and stopped at the Yukon Suspension Bridge, which is like a pedestrian suspension bridge over the um, Tushi Canyon River. Um, all of the water up there has this, like, looks like it's been painted, this light bluish color, which is um, sort of colored by the glacial silt, uh, which enters the water and gives it its nice, like, metallic blue sheen. Um, just gorgeous. Um, and then for me, it was very exciting. We went all the way up the Klondike Highway to the Yukon border. And I didn't realize we were hitting the Yukon until the night before when we read the description of this excursion. But I got to set foot in the Yukon, so I get to tick that off the list. I have now been to seven provinces and um, one of the three Canadian territories. So I still need to hit the Northwest Territories and none of it. And in the East, I still need to hit New Brunswick, um, Newfoundland, and Prince Edward Island. But yeah, it was nice to tick that off. Oh, and with Alaska, I've been to 46 states now. Um, so yeah, Skagway was great. Hit the Skagway Brewing Company with um, Drew, my brother-in-law. Spent a nice hour and a half there. Back to the ship. The next day was Juno, where um, my friends of friends had that store. And before I went to see them, we went to the Mendenhall Glacier, which is what everyone does in Juneau, um, as everyone should, because it's absolutely gorgeous. It's beautiful. Um, and then we went up the Mount Roberts Tramway, which is like the sort of like tram that goes up the um, up the mountain that dominates the Juneau sort of skyline. And up there, they have like this warren of buildings and like restaurants and stores and like nature paths, uh, hiking trails. It was really great. And, um, yeah, and then, um, my new friends that I met drove me about 10 minutes, not even out of town, up the south on the main road out of Juneau. And we went to this place, Sheep Creek, and you can go out kind of like on this like beach. And I guess they spent a lot of nights there, you know, building campfires and singing songs. And it's an idyllic existence. And it was seemed really nice. And we saw the salmon swimming upstream. And they said that the salmon was like literally. 20% of what it usually is, which was very depressing. Also, it was interesting to see a lot of dying salmon, which I think is normal, but um, to see dying fish that are still alive is kind of something. Um, so that was Juno, and then the final 
port of call was Ketchikan the next day, uh, which is down near the bottom of southeast Alaska, the Panhandle. And we went on this boat cruise um, off the ship and then onto another small boat to the Misty Fjords National Monument, which is like just these beautiful green sheer rock face fjords that are about 30 miles like sort of east east of um ketchikan and wow like you can only access this place via boat or seaplane and to be standing in the middle of it was awe-inspiring the entire trip was just like filled me with awe quite literally awe at the planet and our natural beauty awe at its fragility um, I found the whole trip to be very moving. Um, so yeah, Alaska, British Columbia. The final, um, the final day was just cruising all the way down to Vancouver. Got off the ship on a Saturday morning at like seven thirty a.m. And there's like a process. You're assigned a time to actually leave the ship, um, and spend the day in Vancouver. Went to the Capilano Suspension Bridge in North Van. That was fun. And then uh. Everyone rested in the afternoon except my brother-in-law and I. We hit a bunch of breweries in the Mount Pleasant part of Vancouver. We hit Red Truck, which was okay. We hit Brass Neck, which was great. Hit 33 Acres, which was really great. And then um, kind of like a Welcome to the Johnson style, like hipster little 70s style looking place called Electric Bicycle. Um, All very fun to hit. Um, And then we flew home the next day, uh, Vancouver to Toronto, Toronto to LaGuardia on WestJet um, via Delta Coach Air. WestJet was okay. It's like their front Canada's frontier airline sort of. Um, it, was, it was fine. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to go out of my way to fly WestJet again. Um, but it was enjoyable. I had some poutine at, at, at the airport in Toronto at YYZ. Um, but incredible vacation. And then after that, I had to travel again. A few days later, I unexpectedly went to Cincinnati because my dad took a turn for the worse. We thought it might be, you know, really bad. And it turns out he stabilized. So I don't know what the end game is here, quite literally, but um, he's not getting any better. He is 93. His 94th birthday is coming in November. But, you know, he's hanging in there. Um, so it's it's been a tough year and a half. Um but he's hanging in there, so yeah, the big trips this 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 month were Alaska, British Columbia, and um Cincinnati, which is not exciting. But I did get to see my friends there, Brian and Beth and the kids and Roth and Pete, and we had a nice, nice, nice evening of just drinking some beer. I would spend the days with my dad at the hospital and then and then the sort of rehab home. And then at night when he would go to sleep, I kind of just either went to Kroger or hung out or went to um, Brian's house, and that was it. And then back to New York, and I guess that's it. I don't know how much time I have on this before it like cuts me off. So I'm gonna get to some stuff here. If there's a little awkward cut off, then I'm gonna try and edit it, which I don't like to do. But anyway, um, what else? New music I've listened to. New Bonavere, excellent. The new Garcia People single ahead of their record in October, excellent. I think it's like a seven-minute edit of like a 30-minute track, something like that. Listen to the new Carriers record, which is a friend from Cincinnati. Um, Brian Devendorf drums on much of it. Uh, so if you're interested in that, you should listen to Carriers. Um, 
listen in Cincinnati to Radio Artifact, which is like a digital channel 2 of WVXU 91.7, and it's broadcast out of the Urban Artifact Brewery in Northside. Just a eclectic, great independent radio station. And I think they're online. If you Google Radio Artifact, you can find it. Very cool little station to listen to. Um, listen to William Tyler's new Aquarium Drunkard session. It was It's excellent. And I listen to this Tool record, which I'm not a big Tool fan, but I realize how big of a deal they are. And it's, um, I can see the appeal. Like, I, I liked it. Um, very creative drumming from Danny Carey. Um, he really plays odd time stuff against existing odd time stuff in the song. It's He's great. He's very creative with his um, double bass fills. Uh, they're not like speedy or anything. Sometimes they can be, but it's more that they're just very interesting. Um, in books, I read The Making of a Manager by Julie Zhuo, who's a product manager from Facebook, and it was yeah, pretty good. I mean, it's a quick read, so it didn't like waste a lot of my time and... Um, I guess I came away with a few things, and I read Skyfaring by Mark Van Honacker, who's a British Airways 747 pilot, and it's sort of like a very literary, beautiful, almost poetic description of what it's like to be a passenger and also fly um, commercial flight, and co- like commercial planes and commercial aviation right at my alley. Um, well, I guess that's it. I thought I was going to do some very super long editing, but... I'm gonna get. I'm gonna like sign off here before it cuts me off. So I hope this sounds okay, and I hope it all comes out okay. We'll see. I haven't done one in like 34 days, but <clears throat> anyway, yeah. Broadcasting from uh, the back window of um, our place in Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn. This has been is it episode episode 28, episode 28 of the Conrad Life Report, Monday, September 2nd, Labor Day, 2019. Hope you had a great August. Have a great week this week, and I'll be back in a week or two. Take care.